guys. Welcome to the Newsfront Commando. I'm your host, Ed Moore. If you want to get in touch with me, a variety of ways, social media and other, we have forums at uh, justanotherfanboy.freeforums.net. The website, comicbooknoise.com slash TNC, and uh, my enunciation is not perfect, so those are the letters Tango November Charlie. The email address is imindieman at gmail.com. Indie is I-N-D-I-E. Teal Productions has a Facebook page. Teal is spelled like the color. And on Twitter, you can find me, uh, actually quickest and most reliably, at either Teal Productions or News P Commando. Now, I'm starting out here this series, uh, series of, of episodes, this run of episodes, looking at Harrier Comics. Uh, I have in my hands Red Fox number one, which looks to have been on sale somewhere in January of 1986. Now the front cover, predominantly black, band across the top thin band, says Harrier Comics presents Red Fox in nice uh, red with white backed lettering. It was a dollar seventy-five back in the day, 1986. A dollar seventy-five. That's that's a little steep, I think. Two twenty-five in Canada and seventy p is that pence I think in the UK. Harrier is a UK publishing company. So for those of you that may not have ever heard of Harrier, that probably is why. Now the image on the cover is just of Red Fox, blonde hair, uh, female. She's uh, fit but not overly muscular. She has the typical female nineteen eighty-six scantily clad barbarian trappings, some sort of leather. Uh, like tunic on that is open at the bust, um, held together by leather thong, probably going down through. She's got a, a belt going across her, her waist and another one below that going across her body. She's wearing like uh, bikini bottoms, thigh-high boots, but at the knee, they flare out to help cover and protect, I would assume, uh, other than maybe just looking cool, her thighs. She's holding a sword in her left hand, holding it behind her back. Uh, some kind of gauntlet is on her left arm uh, from the uh, halfway up the bicep to all the way down to the end of her fingers, like a glove, like a big, long, extended glove. She's holding the sword behind her back, and her other hand, I believe, is supposed to be motioning in that four-fingered come-hither kind of motion. Inside front cover, we have an introduction, and we have two letters uh, where people were given preview copies. One of them is from a T.M. Maple in Canada. I believe T.M. Maple is one of the more uh, well-known slash notorious letter, letter hacks. I believe T.M. Maple, if I'm not mistaken. So he got an advanced copy. We open the story. Um, the first page has three panels. The bottom panel, the third panel, is a half page. The top two panels, half the page again. So it's a quarter page, quarter page, half page as far as the panels. Desert, featureless, barren with not a living thing to be seen. Well, almost. And then we have an image of Red Fox and the title of the story, The Treasure of P-T-H-U-D. I'm going to pronounce that as thud and pretend that the P is silent. And we're told that the story and art is by Fox, additional dialogue by Mike Lewis, interior decoration by Carl Cropley, and lettering by Melvin James. We see that Red Fox is looking at a map, uh, humorously wondering, well, how far is it? Mm, it's got to be around here somewhere. Man, all these sand dunes look alike. <sighs> One more and I'm going home. And then she closes up the map and, and looks out, and she is here in front of this uh, 
thing, this temple, it looks like. I mean, all we see is just a portion of it in the door. Uh, it's hard to tell. It might be a, a per pyramidal, pyramidal, pyramidal shaped uh, something. She gets down to the door and she stops and starts rummaging in her sack, which we find out later on in the story is a bag of holding. But here it just looks like a sack. Uh, she's rummaging around in it. Now, what did that barbarian say before he fell off the cliff? She's reaching. In the, ah, yeah. And she pulls out an onk. Uh, and she, I don't, I guess maybe she places it in a in a depression of the same shape next to the door. And the door slides open. And then after she enters, it falls back down with a P-T-H-U-D. Again, I'm going to say my, my head canon says that that's thud. And we see just the word balloon. Oh, shit. Now, where did I put that torch? Fumble, clink. Ah, there it is. And she's holding it up inside. And again, we see that she has this gloved feature that goes all the way up to her bicep on her left arm. Um, it's It's got to be more than just a glove, but that's why I called it a gauntlet. But it looks like a glove. It looks like it's maybe scaled. Maybe it's supposed to be metallic and scaled. Uh to protect her sword arm, I guess. What strange pictures? I wonder who this is. And we look and we see it's a kind of an Anubis-looking dude, just the head profile. Well, I shouldn't have any problems. I've always gotten on well with animals because, as you know, Anubis is kind of, is kind of what uh, dog-shaped or dingo-like. Although it's, uh, I think it's African in origin, so I guess it wouldn't be a dingo. But it looks like a, a particular kind of dog with a long muzzle and pointy ears. She's walking along a corridor holding her torch, literally a torch, not a flashlight, but an actual flamey torch. What's that? We see a pair of eyes, and she says, rats with big eyes, because the eyes are down near the ground. And then the eyes raise up in the darkness that's behind her, in, in the portion of the hallway that she's already walked through, walking towards us. The eyes lift up big rats with eyes. Of course, there's always the subtle approach, she says, as she has now drawn her sword. We see a panel of darkness, and we see the words hack, thack, lunk, thud, 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 jiggle, puff. Next page, the panel, we have this creature uh, that can speak and refers to, actually, he's intelligent, or it, I'll say, is intelligent, refers to itself as trog. It says, Trog thinks you should pick on someone your own size. And she's being held by both arms and says, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were someone else. Obviously, someone you don't like. What do you want here anyway, a little girl like you? I'm searching for the treasure of Thud, she says. I don't suppose you know where I could find it. And Throg tells her, uh, You want the throne room. Let's see. That's, uh, that's turn left at the snake pit, straight down the hall of knives. Turn right at the crock pool, and it's the second door on your left. Now, up above the two of them, in the wall here, we see like a hieroglyph representing what looks to be kind of a duck-beaked creature with leathery wings and, and no feet flying. Not sure if that's significant, but they made it a point to draw it on the block of the wall above them. Uh, this is all very reassuring, she says. I don't understand what that means. And we see Throg is, is thinking again, or, or, or was it left at the crock pool? She says, well, I, I can probably find it on my own, thanks. Anyway, you'll probably die and Trog will have to clear up the mess, but Trog doesn't mind. Trog likes little girl. She says, as she's given this, I don't know, some kind of 
valley girl just stomped hands to her side kind of face. It seems to have gotten lighter since I met Trog as she has continued on her journey, and then she falls into a pit trap that opens beneath her. This, I take it, is the snake pit. She pulls herself up, and we see more hieroglyphics here on the wall. I don't see anything significant other than just decorations. However, above, we see um, rows of, I don't know, some, some kind of like um, poles that span the width of the hallway that she's in and wrapped around those poles because the roof is on above, we can tell, because encircling each of those poles are snakes. So there are like ripples of snakes hanging onto these poles that are suspended in, uh, below the roof, but above the, the headline of people in the walking through the corridor. And one starts to drop down, but Red Fox grabs her sword and runs on down the hall away from the snake pit. She says, ah, snakes, surely there can't be much worse to come. And she leans against the wall and it gives way with a snicked, which we know goes on to be a very famous uh, sound effect in some other comics. The Hall of Knives, she says, as the trap apparently that was activated was a series of armored arms that stick out of the wall wielding swords trying to uh, pinion or pierce the people walking through the hallway. Several spears dropping down from the ceiling and coming out from walls, different different walls depending on, on uh, which way you're walking down the corridor. Now which way is it? There's bound to be something nasty whichever way I go. And as Red Fox is standing there thinking, there's a shadow, a big dark shadow that comes up behind her and with a crack lays her low. So I suppose it smacks her upside the head with something heavy. Next page she wakes up mumbling, where am I? And now we see this uh, creature with an Anubis type head like the uh, hieroglyph here just inside by the wall. Let me flip back. Is that where it was? Yeah. Yeah. Once she gets her torch set and everything, uh, it was on page six and we're on page 11. And this this creature who we will come to find out is named Uncle, A-N-K-H-L. He speaks funny or it speaks funny. Says, uh, so the broad's awake. Hey, sweetheart, what's a nice goyle like you doing in a place like this? And I'm sorry about the accent. That's pretty much the only way I can get those letters to sound right. I'm making a study of cliches, she said, as she's uh, chained to the wall. What? Very funny. I'd curb my tongue if I were you, honey. I like my blondes dumb and docile. She responds, even if you have to chain them to keep them that way? Who are you, anyway? Who am I? I'm uncle, lord supreme of the dark labyrinths of thud. Everyone here fears my voice. Talk a lot, don't you? She replies. So... Already we see that this is a, uh, it's intended to be humor, but I don't know. I'll reserve judgment for now. Now then, doll, just who are you and what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just a tourist. I wandered in looking for souvenirs. Try again. Okay, I'm after the treasure. I don't believe it. I think you're a spy. No, honest, I'm here for the fabulous treasure of Thud. Okay, doll, if you ain't gonna talk, I'll leave you in this dark, cold dungeon for a while. Y'all can think it over, and if you ain't more talkative when I return, I'll give you to my boys to play with. And they play rough. 
So she's left here uh, in the room, which is illuminated as far as we can tell. So I don't know if there's a torch somewhere or whatever, or if it's truly dark and it's just being illuminated for us. Hard to tell. Well, Red Fox, here you are on your first quest for treasure, and already you've got yourself captured. Your grandfather's sword has gone, and you can't reach your bag. On the whole, the prospects don't look too good. Maybe I should have let the barbarian keep the key after all. She slinks, slumps down and, and slumps her head. He says, hey, what's that noise? The wall's moving. Yoo-hoo, little girl, I've come to rescue you. And she makes a noise again, I guess, because Scrog, this is Scrog, uh, refers to her as a little girl. I'm not sure why. But we have a close-up of her face. And we see that she has been drawn to be very 1986 blonde attractive. Uh, for those of you that have lived through that period of time, I think you get a good um, bad girly kind of view of this, even though this is the the entire book is in black and white, so there's there's no color. But on the cover, she's got blonde hair, so I, I assume. Trog will help you out of this in a second, he says, as he reaches. And I like this. He, he grabs her arm and pulls and breaks the chain that is connecting her to the wall. So he holds her arm so he doesn't rip it out of the socket and, and breaks both the chains that she's bound with. So uh, leaving the bracelet and some amount of chain still attached to the girl that she'll now have to deal with. Although I don't think it, it ever comes up in the uh, in the rest of the story, but that's the way it's broken uh, when he breaks the chain. He breaks it between her and the wall. Oh, Trog, she says. I've had, and, yeah. I've had snakes dropped on me, knives shoot out at me, been hit in the head, threatened, and my hair's in a mess. We'd better get out of here before they come back, she says as she steps away from him, having first wanted his comforting hug, and now she doesn't. Yeah. Interesting humor. Maybe maybe it's not as uh, developed. Maybe it's a younger writer humor. Yes, it wouldn't do for Trog to be found talking to the customers. And as they're walking uh, back down the corridor, I don't suppose you have a comb, do you? As the portion of the wall that he came through closes back with a P-T-H-U-D thud. I'm sorry, I've been babbling, but I was really worried. Trog doesn't mind. Who are you, Trog, and what do you do here? Oh, Trog is employed by the Dungeon Works Department. It's a highly responsible job. Trog clears up bodies, puts slime on the wall, that sort of thing. It sounds a bit boring to me. Outside, Trog would be hunted by brave adventurers. Here, Trog is happy. Trog, why did you rescue me? Trog already said Trog likes little girl. The throne room is just through here, he says. Oh, Trog, thank you for everything. I wish you would come with me. No, Trog has to go. Good luck. She opens a large wooden door, pushes it open, says, I wish I hadn't lost my sword. And then she looks around the throne room uh, that we see here, and there's some trappings on the wall, just some scattered debris on the floor, but there's a, a large uh, human, uh, I would almost call it a catafalque, uh, which is the big rigid uh, thing that a lot of times caskets are set on, uh, both for ceremonies and also in funeral homes and things, I believe. Catafalque, I believe that's what it's called. Uh, he's laying on one, a big risen bed, but it's it's roughly the shape of, of a human being. There's an old dude, bearded, white haired, laying here. And actually, at the foot is a trunk, which we can just barely see. Red Fox says, I don't understand. This place is almost empty. And who's the stiff? It's just an empty room. Where's all the treasure? Heaps of golden coins, brimming treasure chests. This could make a girl unhappy. And then the dude uh, moves and, and yawns and says hello. And she looks back with an exclamation point. 
Well, I'm sorry, did I startle you? He says as he has now stood up, uh, walked over towards the door, and is holding a wizardy, you know, long pointy hat. Startle me? I thought you were dead. I suppose in a sense. Uh, I presume you're here for the treasure? She responds, well, I didn't come all this way for a box of chocolates. I'm, I'm sorry, but there isn't a treasure. No treasure? It was all a ruse, a trick, to get the key to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Look, I think I'd better explain. I'm the sorcerer Estac of Galtea. I was pursuing my magical research in this crypt when I was stupidly ambushed by the creature Uncle. I was able to barricade myself in here, but I was seriously wounded with little magical resources. I'm a little absent-minded, I fear. Servants arranged for a certain magical amulet, the key, to be put in the hands of some brave and stalwart hero with legends of treasure to lure him here. The mere presence of the amulet would awaken me from my healing sleep, while also providing me with a means to escape, she thinks. Sorcerer? So, you see, there is no treasure of thud. I must say you're a little shorter than I expected. She's got her hand over her forehead with her eyes closed and her head bent down a little bit, thinking, I think I'm going to scream. Crack! What the hell? That noise. It must be the men from Uncle. Ah, see that? His name was Uncle, and it's the dude. Yeah, the men from Uncle. So that was set up from way back. There's no time to reset the magical barriers on the door. Quick, give me the key. It's our only hope. But this is the only door, and I don't have your... Wait, you don't mean the front door key? Yes, yes, quickly, which is the uh, Ankh-shaped thing that she used to get into the temple to begin with. You must hold them off while I prepare the spell. It had better be a quick spell. I lost my sword some time ago. And then there's a image here of him preparing this spell. We're looking at him from overhead, and he is arms outstretched to the side. Energy, some kind of cascading nimbusy energy, zooming out towards the Ankh, which is, I don't know, maybe it's suspended in the air. Maybe it's sitting on the ground. It's hard to tell from this camera angle. And the door is busted open as the men from Uncle charge in, and then, poof, uh, a doorway opens up, and he yells, over here, quick, anything for a weird life. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't get that one either. Uh, and they go through the doorway that the sorcerer Estake, 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 E-S-T-A-Q-U-E-Q, Estake, yeah, anyways, Estake. And the next couple pages, uh, the panels have this, black and white blotchiness to them, uh, denoting that they're in like another dimension, something like that. Red Fox is saying, and they're just standing like in the midst of all this. There doesn't seem to be a ceiling or a floor, walls, anything. Is this safe? It makes me terribly dizzy. Oh, it's perfectly safe, he says. It's a single pole interdimensional space warp. This is good. Oh, yes, we're nearly home now. Oh, I think I'm going to be violently ill. It's all right. Just a little transdimensional flux in the matter curve. You must be a very resourceful young woman. Tell me, have you ever thought of sorcery as a career? And she responds with a mighty barf as she pukes here. With a gasp of displaced air, the end of the warp tunnel manifests itself. Even Red Fox is practically lost for words if they have, as they've stepped out onto a pathway that leads to a, I must say, rather cool-looking fortress castle... Um, whichever you want to call it, and the final words from Red Fox are, I bet you don't get many visitors, as she and the wizard are standing looking at it. Then the next morning, she is awoken by a, th a thing. Uh, it's a little, I don't know, it looks like a miniature cross between like a, 
a fox maybe and a dragon and something that has a, a ringed almost lizardy kind of tail maybe like a uh, no not like an armadillo tail although the tail looks to be armored like an armadillo body but i know the tail is has is thin and hairy for an armadillo um i don't know just a, a really funky looking tail uh, standing up bipedal has two arms uh rise and shine it says okay what down here you're a rat hey look there's no need to get personal. Just come with me. A rat that talks. Well, you can talk. Yes, but well then, he says. Uh, nice place you have here, ratty. We aim to please, and I'm not a rat, he says. Now, this is the first page of the next uh, story. It's actually it's It's got a title, so I guess it's a different story entitled Tower of the Sorcerer. So this is the uh, the next day, I guess, from when they appeared. And there's a meeting between Red Fox and SDQ. Um, Nothing really. There's a little bit of background information for him and what what he's doing, what he's looking for. Uh, initially, it was to find the blue kobold. Those of you that play D&D, you know kobolds and maybe other things. But I, I came to know what a kobold was in D&D, except this one is spelled with a C and not a K. Um, he had a servant, a kobold, who was a little too curious for his own good and accidentally fell into a vat of life-preserving fluid. The warlock banished him. There being little else he could do with the sorry creature, and it took to wandering the land in a state of acute depression. Tales are told of how it would ferociously attack adventuring bands of warriors in the hope that they would put it out of its misery. And uh, there's a panel here of three adventurers in a cavern and him jumping out from behind them yelling, Boo! They would never have any lasting effect, of course, and it usually tagged along with the group pleading with them to kill it, which you can be sure they tried to do. Now, I'd heard that the creature had been seen in the region of the pyramid, and I determined to investigate. So that crypt that we were originally at was a pyramid. And I determined to investigate, the wizard continues. Unfortunately, I was caught off guard by the uncle creature, and I was stuck there until someone came along to rescue me. The rest you know. So the wizard uh, asks if she wants to hang with him and uh, maybe, you know, do some, some work for him. He gives her a ring, which allows her to manifest, by thinking about it, a sword. So I guess she won't get her grandfather's sword back. Uh, playing around, she trashes uh, his desk as she's trying to get the weight and the feeling of the sword. We have an image here of her sitting here amongst the ruins of the sword, looking uh, rather coquettish uh, in her facial features. And then ultimately, the wizard changes her clothing to the color red, um, alluding to the fact that she is named Red Fox. And it's different, a very different set of togs here than she has on the front cover, so it's hard to tell exactly what they look like. Thanks very much, but I wish you'd warned me before you do something like that, she says as she's looking at the clothes, and he's, he just changed the color. I mean, that was it. I don't know. Still a little nervous of magic, huh? You'll get used to it. In fact, I think the time has come for you to assist me in a small conjuration. Follow me. To be continued. No ads, uh, except for here now. No ads to the story pages. The inside back cover is an ad for The Southern Knights number 11. I've always wanted to read The Southern Knights, but I, I never have. I have a, a bunch of them. I think they produced like 25 to 35 issues, something like that. And I have, I don't know, 10 or 12 of them. And then the and that's produced by Comics Interview, which is a, a magazine, I thought. And then on the back cover, 
is an advert for Nostalgia and Comics in Birmingham, England. And I looked them up, and I believe they're still open. So I don't know if they're in the same location, but they're still open this, what, almost 40 years later? Over 25 years later? So that is the first issue of Red Fox. Um, I will say it was not what I thought it would be looking at the front cover. I thought it would be more a Red Sonja kind of thing. Now it's based, I think, very obviously on Red Sonja, but with the rather uh, juvenile at times humor or the rather pressed attempts at humor. Um, you know, the, the men from uncle uh, was, yeah, that was, that was rough. So uh, I guess that's it for this issue. Looking here, I think next time I have set up to look at Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers from Pacific Comics. Um, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to alternate. Like, if, if you'll notice, uh, there are two or so episodes per month uh, that come out. The first episode, I will be alternating months between Red Fox and Samurai from Air Cell Comics. And then those those will drop on Mondays, every four weeks on a Monday. And then the second Tuesday of every month, I'll drop a second episode. And that uh, episode will be my journeying through the books published by Pacific Comics. And ultimately, when it gets to that point, I will take a page from Mr. John Wilson's playbook, as he did with All the Pouches and Image podcast. Every episode, I will talk about a month of publishing of Pacific Comics, trying to keep the episodes at about an hour, which should allow me to do roughly three episodes, let's say, uh, per show. I will talk about all of the books they dropped in a given month. Now, it'll take, uh, I think I remember, like 11 or 12 episodes before I get to a month where they put out more than one book. So for the initial time being, it will be one book per episode, but then if they say a given month they produce, I don't know, 12 episodes, then what I will do is I will talk about all the books, trying to keep each episode at about an hour apiece, and I will drop all of the episodes for a given publishing month on the same day. So um, for a little while, it'll be one episode, but then it might be two or three or maybe four to cover all the books that they have put out on a given publishing month, just depending on what they do. And as I said, that won't come up until, I don't know, 11 11, 12 months down the road, like near the end of the year. But those are my plan. Alternating between Harrier Comics, Red Fox, Samurai from Aerosel, and the books published by Pacific Comics. So if any or all of those uh, interest you, join me for this journey over the next uh, little while. I have planned out the next year or so uh, to do at least the Harrier Comics and the Samurai books that I want to look at and Pacific Comics will just be part of that. So thanks a lot, guys. I'll talk to you next time. Ciao.